things stood out to me. I remember that. My son was not giving in, but it didn't seem to bother the man. He looked over at me and said, looks like you got a real precious one there. I thanked him and looked down the street, hoping to see the bus coming. Honestly, I was probably just embarrassed by the way my son was acting, but before I knew it, he was off on his way. I couldn't help it. I felt compelled to say it. So I just called after him. Sir? Sir? And he turned around. I said, I just wanted to say, Thank you for your service. And I'll never forget this moment. He smiled real wide at me like he'd known me my whole life. Gently tipped his hat and said, You're very welcome. You were worth it. I'm going to ask if our veterans that are here this morning, that are active or retired, if you would to please stand and we would ask for you to come and stand down front here for just a minute. Can I ask for you veterans, those of you who are here, to come and to take your place down here at this point in time? We want to show our appreciation towards you. Can we just thank them as they come? Would you do me the favor and turn so they can see you? Because I really don't want to look at you anymore. <laughs> this morning, we want to do two things for you. First of all, we have a gift that we would like to give you, and we have some kids. And kids, when you, when you come over here, why don't you go ahead and uh, we've got a little gift we want to place in your hands by the kids. Because... Okay, then we're going to do something real dangerous. What is that gift? It's a $4,500 gift certificate <laughs> to East Park Restaurant. <laughs> Amen. Kids, I have something for you to do. Would you do me a favor? Would you come and stand in front of these men? who have served in our military service. No, 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 no. Keep coming all the way down and then turn and face them. Not the congregation. Turn and face them. Okay. Keep it coming. We want you there. And I'm going to ask you Take your hand and just put it on your, your chest a little bit. Can you do that, kids? Just, yeah. 
Father, thank you for these men who have served, men who have given their lives for us. Each one of them has played a part in allowing this country to be one of the greatest countries, one of the greatest nations on the face of this earth because, Lord, you have founded this nation. It is in you we trust. And I want to thank you for each and one of these. And Lord, as these children lay their hands on them, let them pray for help and strength and wisdom and love. Bless them. Lord, bless them as they continue to go forth from here, still in many ways serving us. That's their heart. Lord, I can't say thank you enough for the service that they have given and they continue to give. Bless them and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Is there one who's doing it or all of them? Hmm? Okay, kids, along with our military, would you please turn and face the flag? Kids, I'm going to ask you to lead us together. Ready? I pledge allegiance. Amen. And again, to you, not just today, but every day, we say thank you. Amen. Give each other a hug there. You guys deserve it. 
<laughs> I'm not going to say a word. <laughs> God bless you. You may be seated. Kids, please follow Pastor Melissa and Miss Wendy, and you are dismissed down into your classroom area. Amen. We got some of the best kids in the world. There ain't no two ways about that. And the thing I love about Pastor Melissa is she about the same size. She isn't paying attention. That's a good thing. So if you tell her I said that, I ain't going. I'm going to deny it completely. I have a message that I'm wanting to share with you, and I'm going to tell you straight up. It's not the first time I ever shared it. God dealt with me to share this on a basis of once every two years at least, if not more. And I'm not here, you know, I'm, I'm, I wish there was, I had a message to encourage you. But God said, no, I want you to do this so that I instruct them. And that's a big difference. And so here this morning, I want to share with you on the topic, obviously, of the sin of prayerlessness. And I'm, 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 I'm going to be breaking it into a couple, ser uh, to a two-part series here because I'm also realizing the time restraint that is on us. But at the same token, I am not going to devalue the Word of God or dilute it at all as well. So as I began to think about this and go over this, and I just, you know, as of this morning, I was still, thank God for that extra hour of sleep, amen? As I got up, the normal time, which man, I got up an hour earlier than what I normally do on a Sunday morning. I, I, I just, I struggled. I sat down to, to go through a different message, and he just kept bringing me back. You know, I make no apologies for following what the Spirit of the Lord instructs me to do. And I'm not, you know, to be honest with you, I know some of you have not a problem with the area I'm speaking of, but for the rest of us, we need to hear from God. And, you know, I, I want to take a look at something very quickly, and that is the preamble to our, our Constitution. And it says this, if, if you'll notice, it says, We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessing of liberty to ourselves and our prosperity, to ordain and establish the Constitution of the United States. You and I live in a country that is unlike any other country in the entire world. We live in a freedom. I know it might not look like that sometimes. But we live in a, in a country that was based on and founded on a trust in God. God led our ways. God wrote our laws. God developed us as a nation as we continued to follow him and go after him. But then something broke. I'd love to say that we're still a nation under God. But I think we've become a nation that's forgotten about God. And that's a very dangerous place to be in. And I'll never forget, and veterans, I, I say this as well for you, what, what Abraham Lincoln said in his address at Gettysburg Address, he said this. He said, we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain. Do you, do you hear that? That's why we honor Veterans Day as well. That this nation, 
under God shall have a new birth of freedom. And the government of the people, by the people, for the people. Oh, I love those words. Shall not perish from this earth. Those are huge statements. I mean, huge. They've been forgotten. I bet you they're not even remembered by a major majority of our, of our, of our country. And friend, I, I, you know, I'm not, gonna, I'm not a doom and gloom preacher, okay? That's not who I am. I practice doom and gloom on my children and grandchildren. But the fact is that we are dealing with the enemy's domain that we are up against in this country. From a standpoint of being established in God we trust, the enemy wanted to and has, has been going at tearing that apart. But there's a reason that he's able to do so. And friend, I'm, I'm here to say that, that we don't stop to realize that our prayers that are, are, are in the spiritual warfare, that our prayers need to make it through enemy territory. And then I come back to this particular verse as well that's found in 1 Peter. And, 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 and look at it with me because of what it says here. It says, for the time has come for judgment to begin where? Ouch. Time has come that judgment must begin in the house of God. Now, if you think that's a building, we all got a problem then. And, and, and this is an absolute. This, this is an absolute. Look, and I also want to remind you, I want you to, to take a look at this word, at this, this verse spoken by Samuel in, 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 in chapter 12 here. It says, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. <laughs> he says, moreover, as for me, 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 me. Now, now this, this is the thing that gets me. He says, far be it from me that I should, and what's the word there? Sin. Now, I want to make sure that, that it is the same in everybody's Bible that's here, but far be it from me that I should sin. Sin against who? How? In ceasing to pray for you. In ceasing to pray for you. But, but the, the, the idea behind this focus is that word prayer. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray. Whether it be for you, whether it be for this, whether it be for anything else. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray. Whew. So would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Lord, I, I just hmm, I just pray that our lives will know your words literally spoken to us this morning. And not only just spoken, but in a way that, that there is such an awakening that takes place within our hearts 
God, God, I ask it again. Let this be a word that is spoken into our hearts, Lord, to the place that we are literally and totally and completely transformed by it. Your words. There's a reality that takes place so that we are not going out there, out here, the same way we came in. And that what takes place now and over the course of the next day, the weeks, the months, can only take place because of what you are doing and accomplishing. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Two things very quickly. Let me establish them. Sin. We know sin is not an action, but a... Now, I, I say that because we talk about sin because the things we do is sin because we're in the condition of being a sinner. That's who we are by our birth nature. We are sinners. Now, sin is an identifier because what happens is our condition leads the, 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 the life that we, we are, we have, the impact, the influence leads to our thinking, leads to our choices, leads to our actions. And, 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 and I'm going to say this because sin can be found in one of two ways. And, and, and I say that because of, of condition. How many, how many here has ever had chicken pox growing up? How many of you here had chicken box after you grew up? Yeah, I, I got mine. I came down with chicken pox at the age of 32. God has a strange sense of humor, does he not? But you know, what happened is I walked into the restroom not feeling very good and flipped on the light and looked in the mirror and went, ah! with these things all over my face and, and arms. I said, I, 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 I think I got chicken pox because my two boys had it, and then I ended up with it. So I was pastoring in East Liverpool at this time, and I called my doctor who was up here at Akron City, and he said, well, I probably should take a look at you. Really, doc? So I had to drive from East Liverpool all the way up to Akron with chicken pox. I got in his office, and how many know when you get in the doctor's office, it's just a short visit, Right? I'm sitting there, so I finally get in, and I finally go back, and he comes in, he looks at me, and says, hmm, you got chicken pox. Did you ever want to kill your doctor? <laughs> I traveled an hour and 20 minutes to go into the doctor's office to tell him what, for him to tell me what I already knew, and I had to drive all the way back home. And, and, but, you know, the reason I knew I had chicken pox was what? Because of the results the bumps. Chickenpox aren't those bumps, those scabs, whatever you want to call them. Chickenpox is the virus that's within you and that you don't see unless you look under a microscope, so to speak. In other words, the condition is within, but the results are on the outside. And when I say sin can be one of two results, there is, first of all, the sin that consists of doing what I know is wrong. And, and I want to give you a scriptural basis for, for that as well. It's found in 1 John chapter 3 there, and, and not the, not the uh, three, 
First John three gospel. It, not John the gospel, but First John. It says in verse four, "Whomever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness." Say that with me. Sin is lawlessness. Sin consists of doing what I know to be wrong. And then there is another kind of sin that I want to point out to you that's found in James. In James 4, the other sin is sin of failure to do what I know to be right. There is a sin which consists of doing what I know to be right or wrong. And then there's the sin of failure that I know to be right. What James 4 is saying here is, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is what? So you're seeing the result of something that's taking place on the inside, and that inside condition is that I'm walking independent of God. And, and when I, and I say this, I mean, right away, I, I, I don't know about you, but when I take a look at those verses, they wake me up. And, 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 and theologically, we call them the sins of commission and the sins of omission. Uh, but the thing is, they're both sins. And, and we are needing to realize that what is happening when we walk in those ways, that we are exposing the disease to speak of, that we are walking in a condition of independence of God. We do in our own thing. And, and, and this, you know, the, the question is for a lot of people, oh, well, pastor, what's worse? To be someone who does the worst or to be one who fails to do the best? Well, the one who is not doing the best isn't near as bad as one who's doing the worst. But I got news for you. They're both equal in God's eyes. Sin is sin in God's eyes. And, and look what our, our text addresses as, again, the sin of prayerlessness. Now, let me just say it. Condition of prayerlessness. Okay? Condition of prayerlessness. It says in 1 Samuel, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray. Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray. The reason I am talking about this is because it involves everyone here who is indeed a believer. Because prayer is possible for each and every one of us. Don't give me the excuse for that. I don't really know how. Because I'm, I'm going to deal with you in just a little bit. Turn to your neighbor and tell them we're in trouble. We're going to be here till 3 p.m. We can all pray, and prayer we should all do, every one of us in this room. And the reason I'm saying this is because I am not going to kid myself, and I am not going to kid you. It is a failure that is way too often common, period, amongst believers. If, if I was to ask of a show of hands, and I'm not looking for a show of hands, okay, all hands down. How many in this room pray for at least an hour a day? And, and this is what I'm being careful about because I'm not wanting to get legalistic here. Please, you know me better. But what I am wanting to say is, hey, where is your heart? 
if I was to ask, okay, fine, how many here pray for 30 minutes a day? 15 minutes a day. Five? Do you at least pray over your meal? You know where I'm going with this. People, the one thing that God has dealt with me on in my life and what he continues to show me over and over, you know, especially when I look back on this past, past months and year that, that we've gone through. Look, I'm going to say to you straight up forward, uh, I, hmm, and I'm going to be very careful in addressing this because I know it's a very divisive and should not be topic. But it's amazing to me how in this country today, politics and pandemic divide the church. Divide the church. If you have this opinion here, you have that opinion there, you look at things here, well, there's nothing to be divided about. It's all wrong. Now, see, moreover, as for me, forbid it for me that I should sin again. Okay, fine. We're going to come back to Take a look at the next verse again. It says in 1 Peter, it says, it says, for the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Please understand, far be it, for, for the time has come for judgment to, be, to begin at the house of God. Now, the next one, back to 1 Samuel, or 1 Samuel it says again, Moab asked for me, far be it for me that I should what? Walk independent of God. How? By ceasing to pray. By ceasing to pray. Friend, the church today, <clears throat> disagree with me all you want, but this country will go as the church goes. And if the church is not praying, this country isn't praying. Nor is it being blessed, nor is it being used by God to become what this nation was founded to be in the first place. I'm not here to give you a history lesson today, but believe me, I've got them. But I'm sitting here right now. What is the reason for what is, is, is taking place in our country, whether it be political or pandemic or anything else? What is the reason there's such a division, especially in the church? Prayerlessness. And I'm talking to every believer in this house because you know it in your heart as well as I am speaking it to you. The condition of the church that brings the judgment that Peter talks about is the reality prayerlessness. Well, pastor, are you saying <coughs> are you saying that our country is being judged by God then? That's not what I'm saying. And in my book, no. I'm saying you're seeing the result of a church that is independent of God rather than dependent of a church who's not praying, of a church who's not at going after God, who's all about themselves, who's all about their persons, or what they have, what they don't have, what is, I, I can get going here. For, where's my soapbox? I need something to stand on. 
I'm saying here this morning that the reality of our country, that our veterans have served under a flag that says, in God we trust, that says on our finances, in God we trust, I'm saying we have become a prayerless society because the church has become a prayerless church. And we don't know what it is to pray, to pray for our leaders, to pray for our countrymen, to pray for our children and our family. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I realize that. But I know that there's something here this morning that God is wanting to communicate by this. He's saying something very, very real. Look, mm, let me give you this one point. And I'm going to say this about prayerlessness because by prayerlessness, biblically speaking, the cross of Christ is despised. When you're not praying, you're despising the very cross of Christ. Prayerlessness, by prayerlessness, the cross of Christ is, look, stay with me because I, I, I want to speak into our lives here this morning. One of the characteristics and one of the privileges of the Christian life has to do with something that's very, very simple and very basic, and that is access to God by which we are meant to enjoy. You and I are to have access to God by which we're supposed to enjoy. I've met so many believers that to, to come to prayer is more of a uh, a drudgery than anything else. It's, it's, it's like, it, it, it's just not a, what? I'm here to tell you this morning, we are to enjoy access into his presence. And one of the first symbols of Christianity is, and I believe this with all my heart, was when the veil of the temple was rent in two from the top to the bottom. It was rent by the hand of God. Now, look, in, in Matthew, in his gospel, in chapter 27, in verse 51, it says, Behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. Boy, it goes on to say some other good things, too. But something was moving. Something was happening. See, when that took place, when that veil was rent from the top to the bottom, what it immediately speaks to us and says at that moment in time is, 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 is access into the very presence of God himself took place. Look, for us, when that veil was rent from, from top to bottom, what it represented to us was, was, was available and that we have access we have access to the very presence of God himself. Oh, yes, we do. Now, I want you to note one thing here because this is what is important. The veil of the temple was, was rent in two only when the price of redemption had been paid. It, it didn't take place before, and it didn't take place after. It took place when the price of redemption was paid. If you take a look at, chat, at, that, at the verse before that one, in verse 50, it says, Jesus, when he had cried out again with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit. 
and behold, and behold. Look, 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 look again in verse 51. Can, can you go back there for me? Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked. On the, that, mm, be, do you know what behold means? Behold, from, from that, I'll say this first of all again. When the price of redemption had been paid, <clears throat> Jesus in verse 50 cried out with a loud voice, yielded up his spirit, and behold. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, behold. Not be bold, behold. That means, that means take a big, solid, open-eyed look at this thing, would you? Look, man, would you look? It is, it, is, it is the access that gives us the privilege of prayer. Now, now I want to show you a couple things. First of all, Hebrews chapter 10. And notice that in chapter 10 there, what it says. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the what? The holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. We are to come having boldness. We don't have to worry or, or, or fret or even think twice about this access. We have. We have a boldness to enter the holiest, his presence, not by what we've done. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, I'm perfect. Just needed you to know that, right? I'll say it again. And, 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 and the reality is that we have not, it's not because of what we've done. I can enter his presence. And the reason that we're able to enter his presence is because of the blood of Jesus Christ, period. And you might say, ooh, blood. Yeah, but what does the Bible say the blood is? Exactly, the blood is the life. So what we're saying when we say blood, by the blood of Christ, talking about the life of Christ. And, 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 and we, we, we are to, I mean, he realize that that excess has been taken care of because of the price he paid. Look at Romans and what it says. I love this verse. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access, 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 access. No, it's not a TV show. Access by faith into this what? Grace. Please grab this. Please grab this. We have through whom we also to whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the glory of God. Uh, people, we need to realize this access. He paid the ultimate price for us to have that access. He paid the ultimate pr price for us to be able to enter into his presence. We're more interested in, in, in getting into the presence of our, of, our, of our phones and 
Facebook and TikTok and Hawkeye and all these other things. More, more worried uh, TV computers. Nobody loves them more than me, but I also know that there has to be a passion for God above everything else. Look, look, look. When he paid the price for our redemption that rent the veil of the temple from top to bottom, and that veil was what separated that place called the what? Holy of Holies from the court outside. You were not, you and I, nobody was allowed to enter into that holy of holies for there is where the presence of God resided. No one was allowed in. The high priest once a year had to be following a certain protocol to be to be cleansed, to, to put on the right clothes, to take in the right things and to offer up the blood that had been sacrificed for an IOU of the sins of Israel for the past year. And, and, and as he went in, they, they had to tie a rope around him and have him wear bells in case he didn't consecrate himself the way he was supposed to be. And he would have been done. He walked in there unclean, un, un, un and he would have been, well, you know as well as I do, he ended up Kentucky Fried Preacher. They'd have to pull him back out. Nobody else allowed. See, see, here's the thing. Man did not rent it. God rent it from top to bottom. And it revealed something very, very, very real. The presence of God wasn't in that holy of holies anymore. That place was empty. Now we have access into his presence because of the price that has been paid. But after what he has paid for it, the question is, how untraveled is that path in our lives? How untraveled is that path? Look, I mean, I mean this with all my heart. How untraveled is that path in your life? I can only begin to imagine what it must do to his heart. I mean, think about that. What must it do to his heart? Think of that. Hold on. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about prayer, and he talks about it in verse 5, and he says, and when you pray. And in verse 6, but you, when you pray. In verse 7, he says, but when you pray. And then he gives us in this manner, therefore, pray. And in verse 9, he begins to give us the Lord's Prayer. What it tells me is that to Christ, prayer was to be a normality for us. It wasn't supposed to be an exception. It wasn't just a, a nice suggestion. Hey, you know, we should probably pray. We should probably, I, I, you know, did you, ever get, did you ever get put in your place when somebody says, you know, we like, can, can we pray about this? You know, we're setting up the video cameras. We're about a week or so out from changing over from our little Mevo to this system back here that's going to drive all of us crazy. But the idea is that the guy that was installing it came in. He, he came in, and we're getting ready to get set up, and we're talking about a few things, and he looks at me and says, do you mind if we pray before we get started? 
and I'm the preacher, I should have probably come up with that myself, but uh, so I said no, and, and, and he came in again next time. I was all set to get ready and say, like, let's pray first, all right? And, and as soon as he gets in here, I said, hey, can we pray before we get started? I'm like, God bless this guy. I like him. But you know what? What if that was the, what was the, if that was the fore, forefront of our minds? If that was the first thing we, that came to our hearts and our lives before we did anything? Before we walked out of our bedroom, before we drank that first cup of coffee, before we flip on the depressing news. You, you know, it, it, what it tells me is that in this passage, Christ is saying prayer was to be normal to us. It wasn't supposed to be an exception. It wasn't just a nice suggestion. It was something to be a normality in our lives. And by it, he assumes then we're going to pray. And not only alone, but together. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you need me. Oh. Do you remember what Matthew 18 says? He says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, unfortunately, we too, way too believers just take a look at that and think of it as a formula. Think of it as a, a, a connotation that we can cast a spell or get God to do something that we want him to do. Manipulate God into doing what needs to be. We don't know what it is to really trust God, let alone rest in God and what he says. But I can tell you the early church practiced this. The access is meant to be used by us. The privilege is to be valued. But every time we neglect the path, we despise the cross which opened it. That is why it is the sin of prayerlessness. When we neglect the path, we despise the cross which opened it. To treat the cross that way, my friend, is to know that that is the sin of prayerlessness. And I say it because maybe you just thought of that sin of prayerlessness was just some simple kind of slackness, you know, kind of lazy, so to, so to speak, you know. And, and, and I'm meaning this from the bottom of my heart. We just think it's no big deal, okay? No big deal. We don't pray that often. We don't pray that much. We don't know how to pray that well or whatever. It's just a little bit of spiritual laziness in our lives. We think that there is a little slackness there, but I suggest to you it is the prayer of sinless, or prayerlessness of sin. And, and there's no ifs and or betweens about it. And I'm talking about a condition. We're in a condition of prayerlessness which exemplifies and exhorts itself as no prayer. We are prayerless believers. We believe in God. We're saved by his grace, thank goodness. And again, I'll come back to this. Look, friend, it's our relationship with him is not based on what we do or don't do, but we continue to put ourselves in a condition of prayerlessness. I'll guarantee you that where that leads is called a backward slide. It puts us in a place of living life on our own. And after a while, he's just not that important anymore. 
And we begin to thumb our nose up at the grace of God. Listen. There's people that will say, oh, Pastor, I, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to do. How am I supposed to pray? Could you just, you know, sit on the couch and talk to him? Talk to him. I don't know what to say to him. <laughs> Why don't you just tell him who he is? Start there. Let me just tell him who he is. Is he your Lord? Yes, he's my Lord. Well, then tell him, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're my Redeemer. You're my hope. You're my possibilities. You're great. You've saved me. You've changed me. You've renewed me. You continue to love me when I'm unlovable. And you continue to watch over me when I don't even care enough for myself. What you begin to do is you begin to acknowledge him. You begin to walk into his presence. You begin to change an atmosphere. And friend, I'm, I don't mean to be hard on anybody. Yes, I do. But, you know, in all honesty, if we're not praying for our families, shame on us. If we're not praying for our spouses, We're not praying for who God has placed in our hearts. Shame on us. Samuel said, let's get the book back there one more time. I want us to get back to the book. Yeah, not that one, Samuel. I'm sorry. We're going to come to that one. Where's Samuel for me? She's digging and she's looking. Thank you, Miss Heidi. You do awesome. As for me, Far be it from me that I should look. Understand, if we're not praying for our families, for our spouses, if we're not praying, talking to God about who he is, if, if we're not praying, well, I don't know how to pray. I just, I just, you know, I just, you know, uh, you know, God knows my heart. Then pray your heart. But without prayer, we are in the sin of prayerlessness. And all I'm saying there is we are independent of prayer. And you know where that takes us. Prayer is the opposite of sin. Amen to that. Because sin is independence of God, where prayer is dependence of Friend, there is no greater time for his church to become a prayerful, praying church than for such a time as this. Our country doesn't need opinions. Our country needs prayer. Our country don't need division. Sounds like I'm running for office, don't it? Con no, I'm, I'm being very honest with you when I say our country 
does not need division. It needs prayer. Our country needs to see the results of prayer in power and in demonstration. And that doesn't come by attitudes and opinions. Friend, I'll guarantee you that if your heart is praying for this country, if your heart is praying for... I, I'm, go ahead and give the Chronicles there. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves... too ungodly proud. We carry around the pride. Christians. Pride. Better than you do. I'm just one of them people who support this person or support that person or support this group or support that group. Yeah, the person who, who supports mandates don't support mandates or supports abortion who doesn't support abortion. You just want them people. I'm a Christian. No. No. You don't even know what the word Christian means. Do you realize it's a Greek word? It literally means slave of others. Christianus. Slave of Christ. Friend, I want to, I want to, if my people who are called by my name will, God, forgive us. God, save us. And pray and seek my face. Never has there been a time church needs to pray. Turn from their wicked ways. What's a wicked way? An evil way? Yes. How does it become evil? It's manifesting a condition that's in us now. And that condition is sin. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and do what? Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to, to prayer of you in this place. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. You have the emblem. asking you to open them up yet. I'm just asking you to hold them. If you would, please. If you open them up, you're going to be holding them for a long time. I still got at least 20 minutes to go. Just kidding. I heard an old note from back there. God save you. I shared with you this morning briefly on what I would call God's heart. God wants you to talk to him, not the independent man. He wants you to bring your family to him. 
He wants you to bring your heart to him, your disappointments to him. He wants to assure you of who he is and reveal himself to you. It doesn't take somebody with some fluid dialect to be able to talk to God. You can be the shyest person in the world, but you still talk. this morning God wants you to know his heart to not ever be in a place where we're sinning against the Lord because we cease to pray would you bow your heads with me in this place this morning Maybe you're in this house this morning and you know what? Something's dealing with your spirit. Something's dealing within you that says, I need a relationship with God. I need to know him in my life. I need to know what that reality is because I can't live this the way I'm living it. you if you're here in this place this morning and your heart is saying yes to what he has for you, what he's done for you. It's not what you're going to be able to do for him, how you can discipline him. No, what he's done for you and rest in that. And this morning, friend, right where you're at, would you affirm that yes? And that takes guts to do. Believe me, I know. It's one thing to think something in your head. It's another thing to get actions to it. But if you're affirming that this morning, the choice you're making in your heart, would you just affirm it by just slipping up your hand right where you're at? I want to pray with you this morning, right where you sit. Amen. God bless you. Are there others who would say yes to Jesus this morning? Yes to what he's doing. To receive him into your life. Amen. All right, well, I'm going to tell you it takes courage. Because inside you're screaming all over the place, but the reality is, you know what you're screaming against. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the lives that have said yes to you. Thank you that in this place this morning, you're not only challenging us, but what you're giving us changes us. Something happens when we enter into your presence that can never, ever be the same. When prayer comes into our life, it changes things we see, how we look, how we feel. It changes because we're in your presence. So, Lord, for those who have raised their hand, I pray that they would know what it means to have your arms wrapped around them, loving them even now, to realize that every, every condition that they've ever lived in sin, you remember them now. That they're forgiven. You paid the price. 
bless them, encourage them, teach them. Open the eyes of their understanding. Fill them with revelation of their Lord. If you raised your hand this morning, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Repeat it after me, but believe me, repeating a prayer doesn't save anybody. You've got to pray this from your heart. You simply got to. Hey, church, pray it with us, would you please, Jesus? Come into my heart. Save me. Forgive me. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Simple, huh? That's prayer. It's not how long you pray. Well, you just said we should be praying an hour a day. That's just for the people I don't like. And, and there's no set time. I love to give God as much time as I can. But the reality of this is that we pray. Pray in the car. Pray on the couch. Shut the TV off. Put your phone down for Pete's sake. Oh, you can tell this has become an editorial, haven't you? But I'm saying you can make the time. And just spend it with Just spend it with him. Because if you list, excuse me, Randy, I'm sorry, Heidi. Because of who he is. It's because of what he's done. I'm just going to ask you to worship for a few minutes before we sing. Would you give me the lights, please? Love. 
Notice that at the moment that worship was taking place, there came this pop, and you stopped. Oh, boy, that scared me. Well, yeah, but we let so many things stop us from worship, stop us from presence. I'll take what the enemy meant for evil and believe God for the good. He's teaching me something there. There's going to be a lot of pops in our lives. Don't let it stop us. You hold in your hands this morning emblems. Emblems of that supper that he sat with his disciples. It was a, oh, a covenant meal covenant meal and that meal was binding what Jesus spoke in that meal was his oath do you understand that it wasn't as if some guy was speaking or Jesus said those words so he must it was literally God speaking his oath these are my words cannot go back on them. 
This bread is my body. This cup is my blood. And what he did that night, he still does today. The word has not changed. So on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread and he gave thanks. Can we do that together? Thank you, Jesus for your word and your touch. We give you thanks. The great I am, the lover of our lives, the one who became us. It was God's blood that was spilled on the cross, not just somebody's blood. What you did can never be taken away or added to, but simply received as we say thank you. And we say thanks, God. Pray it with me. I receive my healing in every cell every organ and every part of my body I receive my healing in every cell in every organ and in every part of my body in Jesus name and when he had given thanks he took the bread and he broke it and he said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me Shall we partake of the bread together? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I receive my healing in every cell, in every organ, in every part of my body. In Jesus' name. And after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Shall we partake of the cup together? Oh, Jesus. Would you stand with me this, this morning? somebody you just it's been a long time there's something rising up for you to give a message in tongues and that needs to be done that needs to be released that needs to happen now it's his way of speaking to this house in a way that speaks to unbelief in our lives so right now it's going to be you Lord to manifest that gift of the Holy Spirit <laughs> 
Holy Ghost. have spoken to you in word and in truth. Do not doubt what I have said to you in your innermost heart. I long for that fellowship. I long for that touch. I long to exercise my miracles in your life. I want to declare, to open up, to provide. This day is a life changing day for you. Nothing short of my hand will keep me from you. I will be with you in sickness and in health. I will be by you around every corner and avenue. I will touch your life. I will raise you up. I will declare you for no weapon formed against you will prosper. But this day, I call you, I call you out, for my house shall be called a house of prayer. Give him praise, he's worthy. Oh, oh, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Precious Lord. What you heard is what Paul talks about in Corinthians 12 the message of tongues and interpretation which comes back down to God speaking to his people. God speaking to those who have not received it yet. For the tongues are for the unbelievable but interpretations for the believer. Both are vital. Both are vital. This morning I believe God is speaking to his people in, unprecedented, in an unprecedented day and age. We don't know what the future holds. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That doesn't mean I'm going to go in there and... <coughs> no, I can walk into that middle of whatever's going on and be at peace and be at rest. I can do it. How? Through Christ. The worship team is about to sing a song concerning the Holy Spirit. Oh, and I thought I might just throw this tidbit into your spirit. It might kind of mess you up. That little tidbit is get ready for the gifts of the Spirit to begin to operate on you. 
ready to be used in you know some of you look scared to death over that I'm joyed over that that sounds creepy pastor no tell you what pray about it pray about it spend time in his presence and it's amazing They're going to sing this chorus, and I want to open up these altars. If you said yes to Jesus Christ this morning, we're here to pray with you. If you need to be prayed with, we're here for you. If God's dealing with your heart, your life, your direction, we're here for you this morning. There's not going to be any formal benediction where I say that prayer and we all go our way. This is the benediction find that place of prayer. And for you to know you have permission to stay as long as you want. Let's find God. Let's find His presence.